Our special guest this evening on the breakout room is none other than Mr. Daniel Goodenough, helping us to remember why we are here. He has over 30 years as a lifetime coach, and his experience has created a long-lasting legacy that will live on for a long time to come. The caravan of remembering is his lifetime work. It's a roadmap for experiencing the awakening of your life's mission. He is indeed a life mission coach. His intent and purpose. Daniel published The Caravan of Remembering in 2016 and then founded Caravan of Remembering Enterprise with the intention that anyone, anywhere, anytime, under any circumstance, who remembers enough to want to know why they are here and have some help in doing it, that there will be a way, a vehicle, and a person to help them with that. His legacy, remembering why you are here. That will be the theme of our conversation this evening with Daniel. So, what he has done, Daniel Goodenough has invested a lifetime of research to discover and create processes, services, systems, and platforms to support individuals, teams, and enterprises to live their vision and unique life mission in the way the world most needs it to be done. Let's give a warm welcome to our special guest in the breakout room, Mr. Daniel Goodenough. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Wonderful to have you here, my friend. This is indeed a pleasure. And we are so grateful that you took the time and you seized upon the opportunity to join us in this wonderful atmosphere that we call the breakout room. So, Daniel, we were having a little discussion before the show actually began. And you were telling me some very interesting stuff about yourself, your life, your accomplishment, and even what you intend to further accomplish in the future. But tell me, when people hear the term, the caravan of remembering, what is the thing that you really want them to come to mind, to be aware of, most of all, especially when it relates to them as an individual? What the Caravan Remembering was designed to do is to help people remember why they're here, you know, why you're on the planet in a body, why you're here, what that calls you to do, and who that calls you to be. And I call the, the doing the outer life mission and the who you're called to be the inner life mission. So that, and not, and I say remembering in that it's not so much creating, designing it, inventing it now we can dance with how we're going to present that now given what's happening in the world but that the idea is that it was uh, as certain sacred texts would say it's written in your members 
that I, you, you came with it already and it's about remembering it. And a certain amount of research says that actually most people do or would remember why they are around seven, somewhere between six and eight, the brain is for, just formed enough that you kind of get what's happening here and you still have a, a piece of that you came in with about why you're here. And then many people just get talked out of it and other people are just traumatized. So if you weren't traumatized and you had people in your life who weren't trying to convince you not to remember, not to forget, to remember, not to forget, you would remember it. So the idea is that there are systems and strategies and tools and practices you can do to remember. And then the next thing is when you remember what it is, then there's the manner of and I would say the why you're here doesn't change for your entire lifetime. Right. The what you're called to do about that will certainly change because the world is changing and we're changing as individuals. So the what you're called the vehicle to express it will change often. The why probably doesn't. So then it's the work to be present to how you're meant to grow and evolve with the way hopefully the world will grow and evolve, even though it doesn't seem like it's doing that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I get that based on your response that there is some concern about basically the early part of someone's life, let's say between the 60, 80 year old period. I would like to know from your perspective, and I'm sure those who are watching live would like to know as well. What are some of the factors that you think would have caused some people to really put uh, what they are supposed to remember as their purpose on the back burner, so to speak? Is it because of the education system? Is it because of the social cycle or economic challenges? What do you think really, or is it a combination of those that would have caused persons to forget? I would definitely say all the above. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, so we, our educational system is primarily designed for the industrial age, <laughs> where you were discouraged from even having that question about what am I individually here for? Because it was more about making you, uh, the assembly line was the deal. And so putting you on the assembly line so you, and you start thinking about that, you might not want to do that. So there's that. So the system wasn't really designed for that educationally. And then culturally, we had this thing where uh, if you're in the military, do your 20 years and you can retire from the military. Or if you're in some kind of a, uh, assembly line thing you're 20 or 30 years and then you have a pension and so the, uh, just do the thing you're not that excited about you'll get a pension then you can do what you want kind of cultural thing and then there's the real job thing yeah the child at seven might say i wanna and oh, that's nice that's nice and then at some point it's like and when you're going to get it talk about a real job right so there's all of that um it's cultural and then I, there's uh there's a particular quote in the Bible that it isn't just limited to Christianity. It's kind of all the spiritual traditions have a certain idea that sure. in the Bible, there's train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. Yes, yes, yes. Which yes. is saying that your parents should tell you what to do, right? Or <laughs> like parents know and you're a kid, you don't know. So listen to your parents and do what they, you know, and all that. And that's not bad, wrong, and evil. It's just what they actually said in the more accurate translation. Okay. Was, train up, uh, was create an environment for life right. according to your child's gift or bent. And when he or she is older, he or she will not depart from it. So rather than creating the environment for life according to their gift or bent, 
and rather than the parent, you know, this idea that the parents should tell the children what they should do with their life, the actual injunction from the wisdom book was to create an environment that your job as a parent was to be clued into their gift or bent and then create an environment for life to inspire and cultivate and grow that. So we had culturally a thing where parents should, and often, you know, we had Smith's son, you know, son of a Smith. We had that thing where if your parents were in this field, you should go into that field. That was a cultural thing. So just culturally, we haven't done a good job for a long, long time. Um, in the West, there are other cultures that are more focused on developing your gift event. So, and then there's the, the family of origin trauma that could short circuit the whole thing, right? Like you just, uh, you just go away to survive. And the survival strategy is to disassociate from your life, right? So somewhere deep in the inside is the remembrance of why you're here, but it's, and it's covered over with a lot of disassociation for whatever reasons your family of origin or your community, or I don't know, that might be happening with kids in COVID now, who knows, but whatever the reason of trauma is, that, that short circuits, that natural bent to remember and grow into why you're here, there's a the odds are not great right now. And I, and that's one of the things that I want to change about the world. I would like, if you said, what's my vision for the world? I'd say my vision for the world is that we all, that the world gets to a place where we all take it as self-evident that everybody's here for a reason. And anytime anyone, anywhere, so, someone doesn't step into that, we all lose. Wow. Uh, bordering on that, Daniel, Tell me, how can one know when they're actually living their life's mission? What are the signs that can be evidence that they, they're actually on that path, that they have got it? Well, I suppose you could, you, the most commonly recognized thing is you, that they have a sense of fulfillment and usually courage. They're less phased by trends. They're more um, usually they don't have to, you don't have to be outgoing. I would have actually said as a child, I was fairly shy. And uh, still, I always said to myself, my my re, my why is more important than my considerations, like being shy and those kinds of things. The, the biggest factor I would say, and that's in the work that I do, is my basic tenant that knowing why you're here and being certain about that isn't something just for the lucky few. You don't have to be struck by lightning and uh, eureka epiphany moment. Oh, that's why I'm here, right? That uh, it's a skill, like any other thing you want to become good at in life, any other thing you want to become masterful in life, you can become masterful in embodying, living into, sharing, expressing your reason for being here and being the who that it's called to be, the who that calls you to be so you, that you can step into it. And what that, like, if you wanted to be an elite athlete, there would be practices to do every day. If you want to become an elite musician, there are skills to do every day. And as a musician, that was where I got the where I got the scales thing. So I call them scales. Because like um, Pablo Casals, in his 90s, got up, even though he'd been a preeminent cellist in the world for many, many, many decades, he still got up every morning and made three hours of scales on his instrument. So in this case, you're the instrument. 
So there are skills to do. And if you do those skills and you do them consistently, you will absolutely be positively clear. You will be able to tell anyone, anywhere, under any circumstances, this is why I'm here. This is what it's calling me to do in this moment. That could change as the world changes. This is who I'm, it's calling me to be in here. This is who I'll become by stepping into it. So that's about doing the, doing the, the inquiry, if you will. So what it does for the individual, it, um, many people have said in many different ways, when you're really clear about the what, the how almost happens by itself. Okay. Well, that's a little too simplistic. You have to show up and there's a lot of hard work. It's right. that, that the idea that if you do the work, if you do the inquiry, if you show up every day like an elite athlete, like, any, like an athlete at any level and, or a musician or, or an artist for that matter, just to become skillful, then you attain a certain level of skill of saying that um, as a teenager and as a 20-something between rock and roll bands, I was, you know, I did the dishwashing thing and I did the, you know, the minimum wage jobs. Like, how do you go from minimum wage? How do you go from unemployed and wishing you were minimum wage to being self-directed and self-empowered in your life, in your own career? How do you how do you find a way to make it why you're here something that pays the bills between rock and roll bands? All right, so the idea then is if you're doing the inquiry, then you would say, well, the first thing is if you're in that minimum wage and you're a little bit job and you're a little bit discouraged, which is what I told myself all the time is I knew because I was, I was all in on the inquiry of why I'm here and what that caused me to do. So then it was a matter of research, well, how do I do it then? And that thing that kept me going for my entire life is how do I do this? How do I do this? And because I'm showing up to the skill development, I find, I find the people that can help me, I find the courses to take and I show up to them. And in the day-to-day -day struggle of doing a minimum wage job, um, what I have is my, my mental mindset is that this is what I'm doing now and I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability while I'm doing it now, which always helps open doors for you in the world, right? right. And while I'm doing that, um, when I'm not in this job, I'm all in on up-leveling my skills and making contacts and, and uh, making myself ready. When they say luck is preparation meeting opportunity, and the preparation is, I mean, it's not just to become skillful in something I think will work and will pay me more money than I'm making now. It's becoming skillful in developing the skill to do what my life mission is. Right. And these days in the age of, let's say, social networking, you might be finding your community. That uh, life mission has never been about one. It's never about, just about you anyway. It's always about something you're meant to share with the world. So finding your community is probably a really good idea. Fantastic. Um, Daniel, what do you see for the future of your life mission personally as an individual? And how do you deal with the current challenges that we are facing uh, with the pandemic? Um, how do you intend to tackle it going forward? And what are your expectations? Well, when primarily most of what I was doing for the work 
in, in taking it out to the world was uh, in person. I wrote the book, Caravan and Remembering, so that people could do it on their own. However, at the time, most of what I was doing was in person, and then COVID hit, and then that just went away overnight. Like, like nobody was traveling anywhere to take any kind of courses about anything. So in the last year, it's been it's the same pivot that a lot of people are doing. So it's switching all those programs over to self-directed learning. Uh, Caravan has a self-directed learning program, and then there's the Zoom courses. And so what I would see going forward, and I'm somewhat grateful if that's the thing I could say about the shift to uh, digital and Zoom is that it really does lend itself to more a more global reach, which was always my vision to anytime, anywhere, anyone. Someone has to know their life mission. So moving forward, it's creating the tools so that anyone, anywhere, under any circumstance, well, almost any circumstance, <laughs> and have access. So I hope you have internet somehow, some way, right? Um, that you'll have access to the, the material and hopefully a person through Zoom whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a small group or however that needs to happen to stay in the inquiry and also build your community of support to find the way to that first level is how do I pay my bills doing my life mission? And once you have that, then how, if you're called to, how do I scale that up across my community or state or province and then maybe country and then maybe global? So that's the uh, future vision for the caravan enterprises that it creates the material that really is a global way to reach anyone anywhere. Right. Great. I've got two more questions for you before we uh, take a little break. The first one actually has to deal with that period of transition in your life um, from the music scenario to something much more fulfilling and concretive. Um, can you share a little bit of that with us, that, that time when you felt that you could go in that direction, but for some reason or the other, it didn't work out and then had to find a paradigm shift, so to speak. Well, I do feel like in many ways, I've had many uh, lifetimes in one lifetime. Uh, I had my years as a fine artist uh, student on scholarship, and then I had my years as a touring musician. Then I had my period of time as a quote unquote scientist, you know, employed as a scientist. I mean, I was a scientist, I just say that because it wasn't my academic training. Um, and um, then there were the somewhere between three and four decades of being full on in the life mission work. What helped me make the transition in each one of those cases was the, determinate, the determination of this is my life mission and the determination to do that. And the idea of holding my attention on my intention uh, the poet David White said, all of our ability to hold the conversations we were made for relies entirely on our ability to hold radical attention to our intention. Wow. And, and without that radical attention to our intention, nothing much happens on the frontier of our being. And so I could say that was my lifetime experience. I held radical attention to my intention to help people do their life mission, to remember it and step into it. So that was the research project of my life that I, I had a scholarship in the fine arts. So I did that to start. And then um, as a 14 year old, I said that if I'm gonna to talk to people about life mission, if they're gonna to listen to me, 
it would help if I was famous. So I decided to go into you know, 14. I started really focusing on doing my scales, speaking of scales, so that I could become famous in music. And I pursued that. And I had my musical thing. And then uh, semi-retired, I was doing session work. But semi-retired from that, I was working for uh, um, WIA at the time. That's Warner Brothers Electrosilum Atlantic. And um, it's just, um, there was a, there was a projection by Paul Pilsner that uh, people in the future would be mostly self-employed. So I said, what would be a business I could do that wouldn't drive me nuts? So that transition was very calculated around my radical attention to the intention to help people with life mission. And I thought if I was going to speak to people about being self-employed, I should be self-employed. So that's what did that. And then the final piece was, well, I'm just gonna go full on doing my life mission thing. So what helped me make all those transitions was a radical attention to my intention, really. And, and, and knowing that if I do that, that I will be guided, so to speak. Like none of that was a figuring out. It was being present to what you might call the book of life, the clues in life, and following the thread, so to speak. Okay, great. And coming out from what you're just sharing, uh, I understand that the power in it in terms of that sense of realization of that early part in your life and the many aspects of your careers that you would have created for yourself. But looking back over time, um, if you were to do anything different or change anything, is there a possibility that that exists? And if so, what would it be? What would you do anything at all different if you could? I, if there was anything, I might have been more, a little bit more courageous at a, some of those junctures. Right. That, uh, as I, I think I shared earlier, I actually was a kind of a shy person. Uh, I'm not an extrovert. And uh, there were there were occasions where I had opportunities that uh, I didn't fully step into because I was a, maybe too shy. And uh, so if I could do anything that... I wouldn't say there's anything I would have done differently about what I actually did. It might be more about what I didn't do. So that thing where they say on your deathbed, you never regret what you did. It's only the things you didn't do. So if I had to say what I would have done differently is I might have been a little bit more courageous at a few, a few of those occasions. Okay, great. All right, Daniel. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. Um, and then we're going to come back and wrap up. So... Stand by, my friend. Is that like five minutes? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. At all, just, just probably just one minute or so. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
now to share some information with the people and just basically tell them if they want to get in contact with you, if they want to attend any of your sessions or your workshops, how they can make contact with you um, in terms of your social network platforms and um, just lay it out there. Well, in terms of the Caravan of Remembering, if you go to the Caravan of Remembering website, even if you just put in caravan and remembering, it'll take you there. There are, you can set up groups locally to work with it. That information is on the website. Um, you could check out thewayoftheheart.com for, that's another program I work with. Corporate and entrepreneurial work would be the newpersonproject.com. Um, the Caravan and Remembering has uh, self-directed learning programs, and they also have coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and group format, so whatever your uh, method of learning is, there's a, there's a, there's a menu for you. So okay. you can check out any of those places. Okay, and what about your podcast? There is a Hewperson podcast, the uh, Caravan, that's for corporate and entrepreneurial people around life mission, business life mission and personal. There's a Caravan and Remembering podcast that's in the, in the works at the moment. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, my friend, we have sort of made a boo with our audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will do the necessary um, editing and get it out on the platforms. And we just have two more minutes. I'm going to wrap up by saying a wonderful thank you and a heartfelt appreciation for your time and your commitment to the program and sharing some insightful and um, wonderful information with us with regards to the caravan of remembering. We will continue to be in touch, my friend Daniel, and I am open anytime if you want to invite me anytime on any of your shows to speak virtually, of course, or your podcast as the case might be. I am always just a phone call away or just an email away. So, any parting words? Um, just to say thank you. I enjoyed the process and I look forward to connecting again. It's been wonderful. great. Thank you. It was wonderful. Until next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Bye-bye.